Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Welcome to the Continuous Delivery Podcast by Sia Technologies. My name is Faraz Syed, and I'll be your host for this episode. Today, Shamim Ahmed will be our guest. Shamim is the North America CTO for Continuous Delivery at Sia Technologies. In this episode, we will discuss how enterprise organizations are adopting continuous delivery as a software engineering approach to release software faster, cheaper, better. We will talk about the what, the how, and the why. Shamim, really good to have you here. Let me start by asking you a very simple question, but perhaps a bit complicated question. We hear terms like continuous delivery and DevOps often uh, when it comes to software development. In your opinion and your experience, what is the difference between continuous delivery and DevOps? A great question for us. And first of all, thanks for having me on your show. You know, many of our executive customers often ask me that question. Uh, The way I look at it, DevOps is uh, like a philosophy and a big picture framework of uh, people, process, and technology best practices for how business, development, security, and operation teams can collaborate better to break down silos, reduce friction, uh, eliminate waste, and and increase velocity. DevOps includes practices such as continuous planning, continuous delivery, and continuous operations. So continuous delivery is really a sub-practice within the overall DevOps framework. So CD focuses on how we go from uh, idea to production or in value stream terms, requirements to release, just like you mentioned. So, and it includes sub-practices like continuous development and integration, continuous testing, continuous deployment, and continuous release. In many ways, CD is a great extension to Agile. You know, Agile development focuses on how we increase the velocity of idea to code you know, fail fast and build high-quality software, whereas CD extends agile development to help our customers agilize the deployment of code from deployment from development to production, where it actually generates value. Okay, excellent. I mean, I talked to Dan Rice in the uh, previous episode about agile and continuous delivery, so this is uh, uh, good to hear from from what you're seeing in the market as well. So, when you talk to these executives, I mean, what what are some of the key uh, impediments and obstacles uh, that uh, that these organizations uh, are having in, in achieving uh, speed and quality and implementing uh, continuous delivery in general. Yeah, I've worked with and spoken to many, many customers, as you know, on, on our city solution. And I'd say, you know, most of our customers cite about five to six uh, top impediments and obstacles. Uh, in no particular order, I would say, uh, number one is, you know, cultural issues. You know, for example, the whole impedance mismatch between, you know, development and operation teams, right? The development team wants to go fast. The operation team's guys want stability. So there are impedance in terms of processes, mindset, skills, and goals, and metrics between these teams. Um, number two is, is around environment management, right? Particularly, you know, how do customers set up test environments, environments for staging and production? And this includes challenges around application deployment environment provisioning, test data, and dependency on external systems. We see customers 
doing these kind of things manually, uh, very, very labor intensive and error prone. Um, the number three problem I tend to hear is around tools and technology integration. So if you think about customers, they have scores of you know, development, testing, and deployment tools that sort of work in their own silos and are very, very difficult to integrate from a people, process, and data perspective. I'm actually working currently with a large telecom provider, and believe it or not, they've got 140 different tools in their environment, and they're now trying to rationalize all of that and trying to figure out, well, how do we sort of integrate the entire tool chain, right? So that, that's a big problem for many of our enterprise customers. Uh, then we see problems around, you know, budget constraints, right? So customers will tell me, well, you know, it all sounds great, but how do I get the money to drive all these transformations? Because IT is always under pressure to reduce costs. Uh, and last but not the least, uh, we hear about, you know, senior management, um, lack of understanding and sponsorship for, for an exercise like this. For example, um, I'm currently doing a current state workshop for a very large energy customer uh, in Houston. And, and they, you know what they tell me? They tell me that the management wants to be more, agile about the releases, but they won't increase the budget. And again, there is very little tolerance for the inherent risk uh, that comes from you know, agilizing your, uh, your deployment pipeline. That's a very interesting business conundrum, right? Business wants to go fast, and going fast, like you said, you know, introduces potential quality risks, right? So there has to be um, an approach to how you manage risk as opposed to saying, I won't tolerate the risk that comes along with, with, with velocity. Yeah, I mean, those are all good points, and, and, and uh, frankly, I mean, I've, I've had similar discussions with our customers, and those are some, uh, some challenges. So, what, you know, we understand what are those challenges, right? I mean, you kind of talked about, uh, you know, the business need to go faster, but yet companies are slashing their IT budgets, right, because that is uh, uh, considered a cost center overhead. So how do you what, – what's your approach um, and recommendations to, uh, uh, to overcome these obstacles? So in general, I, I propose a multi-pronged approach to you know this whole people, process, technology, and culture and organization perspective. Um, so if you look at you know some of the obstacles you just mentioned, right? I think there are very well-defined solutions. Again, each customer is different; their starting point is different; the journey will be different. But let's talk about a couple of these, right? For example, the, the, what you mentioned—the cost, right? So oftentimes we see our customers undergoing digital transformations, right? So they have uh, investments going into the systems of uh, engagements, which are all those mobile applications and customer-facing applications, and they're under tremendous pressure to reduce the cost on those systems of record. So my recommendation to them is, you know, take advantage of DevOps to eliminate the waste uh, in systems of record. Take the money out of those and invest that um, in systems of engagement because that's where you need, need agility, and that's how you, how you make it a self-funding exercise across the entire IT organization, right? So that's, that would be an example of how we arrange the cost problem. Other solutions, too, for example, if you think about the impedance mismatch that we talked about between development and operations teams, right? So my view is that we sort of break down those silos and create system teams, right? System teams consist of, you know, the product owners, the developers, QA, security operations folks, all in one team with shared goals and metrics so they can collaborate throughout the life cycle as opposed to throw things over the wall, right? And I'm not saying that we should immediately, you know, tear down the classic organizational structures that we have, but all I'm saying is, that we create teams, right, with representatives from these organizations so they can work better together, right? A good, good example is, for example, how we manage, uh, you know, application topologies uh, for different environments like, you know, dev, test, staging, and production, right, by leveraging topology modeling and automated process deployment solutions like CA release automation or even tools like Puppet and Chef. We can actually help developers and ops folks to sort of work very closely together 
to define, manage, and evolve these topologies so that we get less you know, problems from deployment issues, right? Uh, number two is um, how do we um, ease the, the, the setup and automation of this environment? That is, is, is probably one of the biggest problems that I see for most of our customers, right? That includes things like you know, infrastructure provisioning, application deployment, test data management, and all these dependencies on third-party systems, both internal and external, right? So we should definitely encourage our customers to look at, for example, container-based solutions like Docker, which provide a great way to package an application for portable deployments, right, into different kinds of environments. Similarly, they should look at test data management solutions uh, that allow us to you know, automate the provisioning of test data and also like service virtualization solutions from either CA or HP or IBM and a variety of other vendors that allow us to you know, virtualize these third-party endpoints, uh, be, it, be they internal or external, and also reduce the dependency on the test environment of such endpoints, right? So you hear about companies like Google for us, right? that do multiple releases per minute, right? And they do that by completely automating the deployment pipeline. Now, I'd say most of our traditional customers probably won't need to support uh, such levels of velocity, right? But we have financial services customers, for example, in Europe that have increased the release velocity 10x to support more than 10,000 deployments per month, right? So that's the kind of solution that we would like to advocate to our customers. There are other solutions too, um, you know, again, depending on the customer context, like we talked about tools integration, right? So as I said, many customers have scores of tools, hundreds of tools often, right? So I like to approach this problem by saying, okay, you know what, what you need to pick tools that support APIs that allow them to be integrated with each other, uh, not only from a data perspective, but also from a workflow perspective. And the approach would be to really, you know, build a platform into multiple, where multiple tools can be integrated together. Uh, and that's gonna be done using you know, commercial, an open source tool so that they can all coexist and work together. Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of talked about uh, the bank and uh, uh, financial customer and in, in, in Europe, right? That where they're um, releasing 10,000 uh, releases in production. Now, I can see that for mobile applications or digital applications. So, what's what's your advice in in terms of you know how do organizations start their continuous delivery journey uh, for um, for not, not, not for the digital app, but for more for the legacy apps. Is that even possible? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I said, every customer is unique, and you know, they probably have their unique situations, and their journey will be different based on you know, where they are currently and how they plan to drive their transformation, right? So for example, as I said, uh, for more of the backend applications, like the systems of record, your backend systems, you know, there the focus should really be on understanding where is the waste. Uh, for example, they have you know, overheads around communication, overheads around excessive testing. Take the waste out, right? So look at, do a, maybe do a current state evaluation very objectively. Identify the top impediments like the ones we mentioned um, that are standing in the way of reducing you know, their, their cost and improving quality and, and take the waste out, right? That would be one example of how to do this. Uh, I do this very frequently with my customers where we do this current state workshops. We look at the current process and practices people issues and help derive, you know, a set of priorities initiatives relative to their goals and ROI, right? And then I say, well, you know, our customers should start small. Maybe start with one or two key applications and implement all these appropriate solutions and then, you know, scale it up, right, um, across this enterprise based on the success of this one app uh, based on the learnings, right? So one of my key customers for us where that's going through a journey like this is, is a very large automotive customer um, in, in, in Detroit. They, you know, they started with one medium-sized application where they're implementing most of the continuous delivery solutions we just talked about. 
and they're already seeing significant improvements in quality and velocity, right? And this includes all the different layers of the stack, right? The, the front-end applications and the back-end applications. The management is now super excited, and so now other sister teams, you know, want to emulate the success, right? That's a great example of how to embark on a CD journey, you know, starting small and, and spreading the excitement based on success. That's great. I mean, you mentioned, uh, you know, quality as one of the metrics. What are some of the other, other metrics? I'm assuming time to market and things like that. But, um, you know, metrics that, that you can capture from the business perspective as well as uh, from, you know, software engineering perspective. What's your thought about the different types of uh, metrics that, that can be captured as part of the continuous delivery, pro uh, de delivery program? Yep, absolutely. So in addition to quality that you mentioned for us, I would say there are three other main classes of metrics. Uh, number one would be velocity, uh, number two would be operational, and number two would be risk. So if you think about velocity, you know, the key metrics you want to track are things like release frequency and lead time, um, and also uh, business growth, right? For example, is your agility leading to increased revenue? Um, also want to measure the level of automation, and not just from a perspective of test automation. We're looking at automation from a process perspective, deployment perspective, everything, automation uh, of every process area. Then from a quality perspective, obviously you want to capture you know, how much uh, uh, leakage, uh, defect leakage you have in production. What is the mean time between failures? What is the mean time to recover from failures? Right? What's the customer experience and response time, particularly for mobile applications? Right. Um, from an operations perspective, we want to measure things like your know, costs and overheads. We've, I talked about waste. We also want to measure things like employee productivity and satisfaction. So, as you know, you know we've had multiple research, most recently done by um, a research company, Coleman Parks, in collaboration with, uh, with CA Technologies, that clearly showed that employee productivity, employee satisfaction, employee retention are much, much higher with, with DevOps and CD practices than without, right? And, and this goes to show you why you know, customers like Google, right, you know, they have much higher employee retention. People want to work for a company like Google because they have eliminated all these overheads and, and processes that just simply get in the way of productivity. And, and last but not the least, um, you know, the risk metrics, right? So this includes, you know, compliance, right? Particularly if you're in regulated industries, right, you want to make sure that you've got, you know, complete traceability between all of your process lifecycle steps uh, so that, you know, you can do automated auditing and so on and so forth. Yeah, so let me ask you a, a million-dollar question here. I mean, it all sounds great, right? I mean, I think if you look at organizations like Google, Facebook, uh, they are starting from scratch, so they have an advantage in terms of how they define their culture. But let's take an example of an uh, uh, automobile company that you were talking about. Uh, and uh, this company, I'm assuming, is, is uh, at least been around here 30, 40, 50 years. So companies like that, they have traditions, they have cultures, they have been doing things in a certain way for a long, long time. So how do you really change? How do you have that paradigm shift um, where you take you know, a process that's been in place and, and, and change and transform that process to be more agile or to adopt uh, more continuous delivery-related principles? Yeah, this is one of the more difficult issues. Uh, you know, people and cultural transformations are much, much more difficult than um, you know, technology transformations. So um, I would say it's a multi-step process. I mean, uh, as we already discussed, I, I say first thing, change things at the team level, right? Because that's the smallest unit of change. Um, have the customers adopt a systems teaming approach for implementing CD solutions. So break down the silos between the DevOps, the operation security teams, and bring them together to create a system team, 
and have them build the best solution by collaborating together at the team level, right? That's typically um, the easiest thing to do because the whole idea around Agile is to create you know, empowered teams that can make decisions, that can collaborate and work better together without having to break down the overall organizational structures, right? So for example, you know, this customer we talked about has you know, a development organization and an operations organizations, infosec organization. We're not saying that break those structures down, but take the people from those, those organizations and create these empowered teams that deliver a specific application or a solution, right? So start there. Then, okay. then you, you sort of adopt uh, industry best practices. For example, you know, the scaled agile model or SAFE uh, that you talked about in the previous podcast. So SAFE provides a very good body of practices from a, from a process and technology and organization perspective that have been proven with multiple customers, right? Around how do you scale this thing up? How do you, for example, scale from teams to teams of teams to the program level to, to, the, pro, to the portfolio level? What are the practices? What are the metrics that should go along with it? So my recommendation would be start with the team level, start small, but think big in the, in the safe picture and gradually climb you know, the organizational change program like SAFE recommends, right? There are other models as well, but I would think SAFE is one of the better ones that I've seen. Okay. Are there any uh, key capabilities um, that you, you know, these, these uh, organizations are looking to implement as part of uh, continuous delivery uh, implementation? Yeah, there are several. Um, I would recommend there are at least four core capabilities mm -hmm. that our customers should consider. Uh, number one is uh, what we call continuous configuration and deployment, which is all about managing the configuration and the topology of the different environments, right? Depth, uh, staging, and production, and automation of the deployment across the whole pipeline, right? From depth to production. Number two is what I call continuous quality, which is all about embedding quality in every activity of the life cycle. Like they say in SAFE, right? You can't scale crappy code. So if mm -hmm. your code is not built right, there's no point. Um, you know, doing quality in downstream. So this would include, for example, the management of your requirements and code quality. It includes all form of testing, uh, test data management, management of your technical debt, you know, security assurance, and above all, in the digital age, customer experience assurance. In other words, how do you actually build systems with customer experience in mind? That's a key aspect of continuous quality. The third one, I would say, is continuous virtualization, uh, which is all about taking advantage of you know, virtualization across the life cycle. And this isn't just about application virtualization or the service virtualization we talked about. This is about virtualization of applications, infrastructure, network, users, data, all of that, right? As you know, um, Bain Consulting has recently said that if you're not doing virtualization, it's going to be very difficult for you to do agile, right? So virtualization, in my mind, is a key capability that our customers need to embrace. And the last one, core one, is I would say continuous data management which is how we manage the delivery of databases, right? So most often when we talk about CD, we equate CD to software delivery, right? But applications, modern applications, inevitably include a database as part of the whole system, right? But the processes, the practices, and tools for database delivery is generally very different from that of software because you're dealing with data models and, and you know, uh, rollback is very different and so on and so forth. So we need a special set of processes um, to do uh, continuous delivery of, of data and databases. And, and in some ways, that is related to test, test data management as well. On top of these four core practices for us, I also recommend two value-added practices. Number one I was what I will call continuous modeling, right, where we take, an, uh, we take a model-driven approach to everything, such as requirements and tests and data and services and deployment, et cetera, et cetera. 
you know, we hear about things like everything is code, right? Very popular term. In my opinion, in most cases, if something can be codified, it can also be expressed as a model from which code can be generated, right? So which means that instead of saying everything is code, we can always say everything is a model. Now, why is that important? Because modeling allows you to, to do easier visualization of the artifacts, right? They say, you know, a picture is worth a thousand you know, words, right, or a thousand lines of code. And all of the dependencies and everything, so it allows to automate many processes. For example, you can now automate the generation of your test cases, the most optimized test cases from your requirements, or you can automate the deployment of your topologies and so on and so forth. So that's number one. And number two, value-added practice, I would like to say, is continuous analytics, uh, which allows us to do you know, analytics on the data we're collecting um, you know, from the entire part of the life cycle. You know, we're collecting a lot of data, right? You know, development data, testing data, deployment data, operations data. We want to be able to take the data and do some analytics on it so we can actually generate some insights that help us make smarter decisions, right? In my opinion, this is the sort of the key step in the next uh, uh, phase of the journey on, on DevOps maturity. Yeah, that sounds great, Shamim. I know you, have, you and I have talked about this quite a bit, and we have uh, also talked about uh, uh, the hubs concept, right, having an apps hub and ops hub. I would love to uh, set up some more subsequent episodes and uh, kind of drill down into these, some of these uh, core capabilities that you talked about uh, and also talk about, you know, uh, the concept around analytics. But before, uh, you know, before we go there, I mean, let me ask you this. I mean, what's uh, in your mind, what's, uh, what's the future of uh, continuous delivery? Um, where do we go from where we are today? Yeah, great question, and, and a really exciting question in my mind, right? So uh, we see customers undergo digital transformation. That's the, the key thing that's transforming our customers' businesses, right? With increased emphasis on customer experience as a business imperative, as well as use of uh, technologies like social, mobile, analytics, and cloud, right? So think about the Google car. I mean, it is loaded with systems that, are, that is doing continuous analytics all the time. It, it's an adaptive application, right? So it's constantly analyzing huge amounts of unstructured data, the data that is coming from the sensors, from the cameras, right? It's learning from them in real time and making decisions autonomously, right? I don't know if you're a big fan of autonomous driving or not, but I am. But regardless of whether we agree with autonomous driving or not, we are seeing a great shift towards autonomous systems, right? Autonomous applications, um, and this whole tendency to make use of uh, big data so that you know, systems can sustain themselves um, and, and reduce the human burden around making decisions, right? We've already seen this a lot, for example, on business intelligence, but now we're seeing more and more of that happening in other applications as well um, in, the, in the new digital age, right? So when you see these concept transformations happen, they also impose a lot of special requirements for next-gen application delivery. Um, so which means that we need to transform the whole CD process itself to become more more adaptive, right? So if you think about the Google Car again, it's a continuously learning application where it's constantly being fed data, right? So we need to sort of take advantage of those kind of things so that we can actually leverage these kind of lifecycle analytics to continuously optimize our processes, right? Because businesses is always going to ask us to go faster and faster and save costs. So, so, the, so the imperative then is how can we become smarter by taking advantage of all this data we are collecting and make smart decisions, for example, um, you know, how do we automate the automation itself, right? So that's what I really call intelligent DevOps, which in my mind is really the next step in the CD maturity journey that you were asking about. So I envision you know, intelligent DevOps and intelligent continuous delivery will take advantage uh, of all this data that we're collecting along with these robotic process automation technologies to increase our velocity and CX, right? 
So we would think think about self-healing automation, right? So when we think about automation today, customers, let's say, have very high degree of automation, but that automation itself becomes a bottleneck because it's difficult to keep pace, right, with change. So we would like to have systems that can self-heal, right? The automation becomes self-healing or the virtual services become self-healing or the topology becomes self-healing based on application changes, right? That truly is really the exciting space, and that, re that really is where I see where we're headed. By the way, I'm, I'm presenting a session on the subject at the upcoming uh, CA World on November 15th. I'd encourage you know, all of us to attend the session to learn more about really what's, what's next gen for intelligent city solutions. That's fascinating, uh, Shamim. I uh, love talking to you about these things. And, uh, folks, if you get a chance, if you are at CA World, uh, please go listen to Shamim and attend his session. Um, fascinating stuff. Uh, well, Shamim, thank you for being here. Um, I know you, you and I are going to set up some, some more episodes and conversations here. Love talking to you about this. By the way, these podcasts are available on iTunes stores. Uh, you can search for Continuous Delivery 101 Podcast by SIA Technologies. With that, thank you again, Shamim. And my Twitter handle is at Fuzz Syed, F-U-Z-Z-S-Y-E-D, F-U-Z-Z-S-Y-E-D. That's my Twitter handle. Uh, stay tuned for the next couple of episodes. I'll be talking to Alex Martins uh, on one of the core capabilities that Shamim talked about around continuous quality and continuous te testing. Until then, take care and thank you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.